Hello, Bloggettes. It's Amanda Laurent. Just wanted to give you a quick note before we started the show because there is a minor discrepancy. Allie and I had an awesome interview with Shira Weiss, who writes her at the Huffington Post. The problem is, literally 48 hours after we recorded this interview, the Huffington Post shut down its contributor platform, destroying the lives of many and potentially screwing up this podcast. So we just wanted to make that clarification. But the archives are still up there. You can still read Shira's articles on there, but she's also writing on a new blog called freeradicalthoughts.com. There's a lot of really great content. We're really, really proud of her for just starting her own thing after this happened. Um, As a freelance writer and knowing a lot of people in the freelance writing community, um, the HuffPo thing has been, you know, controversial and very frustrating for a lot of people. So if you are a freelance writer and, and listening to this, you know, look, I get it. I'm sending you my love. And if you're thinking of something new to write, why don't you write us a five-star review on iTunes? Uh, The directions for that and all the links discussed are, as always, in the show notes. Also, if you want to discuss anything here, get in touch with us or just gab about your life, we have a private Facebook group, Things We're Too Lazy to Blog About. Search for it on Facebook or, obviously, again, do I keep repeating myself? Links are always in the show notes. Anyway, I'm going to shut up right now. You enjoy. Here we go. Welcome to Things We're Too Lazy to Blog About. I am Amanda Lauren, and I am with my co-host, Allie Levine. Hey, hey, hey. And we're on the line with someone who I think a lot of you probably know. They definitely know. She is, I don't want to call you, I'm going to say you're kind of, but more than like the Kate Casey of Huffington Post. (laughs) You now hang oh, up. That's very <laughs> flattering because I do not have the 14,000 followers that she has on Twitter at all. Um, but I write, yeah, I write a lot of, um, I guess, think piece, pieces on pop culture and a lot of other topics for the Huffington Post. So I've commented on reality TV, but I've also written a visually recording. We're on the phone with Shira Weiss. Um, I don't want to ADD out too much during this thing. Um <laughs> It does so, feel like a Monday morning, though, doesn't it? It feels like a Monday, but it's a Tuesday. And it's very confusing. When I woke up this morning, I was like, I know I had pregnancy brain, but, like, is it really, like, Tuesday? Or, like, am I forgetting that it, maybe it is Monday? But then I realized we have a holiday, but it wasn't really yeah. a holiday because I hurt. <laughs> I'm, as, I'm a, happy. as a mom, as a fellow mom, I can tell you that I just have mommy brain, and I didn't sleep last night, so I'm, I'm in the complete oh, same... I'm in the same place that you are. Yeah, good luck to me, because I already have a major pregnancy brain, so I can only imagine how mommy brain's going to (laughs) go. So you write about, so, you know, a lot of people know you for your celebrity interviews, but one thing you were talking about before was that you do a lot of true crime writing. So what have you written about? Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's been actually really, I mean, it's really interesting. It's really hard to write about true crime sometimes because it's so emotional, um, I recently interviewed Natalie Holloway's dad oh, wow. uh, about any updates. Yeah, I spoke to Dave Holloway about any updates in Natalie's disappearance and, you know, murder. I mean, she was basically declared dead because, you know, it's just uh, all, all the evidence points to the fact that she went missing, but she is not alive. And um, so we, we went over, you know, that case, and um, they they thought there would be some new breaks in the case, and there was a whole oxygen series um, where there was an informant, and they were trying to find out more information about where Natalie may have been buried or where her remains may be, and um, DNA testing is still ongoing um, in terms of what they found, so I don't have, you know, I don't have any closure on that, but I spoke with Natalie's dad, and you can imagine he wants, he wants closure. And so that was very hard. I also spoke with um, many different sources about the disappearance of Maura Murray, and that was um, that was very interesting. And you really go down a rabbit hole of like all these possible theories of, about this woman's disappearance, whether she's alive, whether she's dead, what could have happened, who could have killed her, where she could have uh, run away to. 
Um, so that was very interesting because there's so many players, and I did a three-part piece on that. And then um, recently I was actually uh, – something I'm going to be looking into is a, uh, a case about a father who was accused of murdering his – this is really difficult to deal with as a mother, but he was accused of murdering his uh, toddler daughter. However, his ex-girlfriend, who he had broken up with the night of the murder – was arrested for murder years later of her mother-in-law. Wow. Right. So and weird. so he sits in prison for life. He's doing a life sentence. And, and Misuk, his, um, his girlfriend, sits in prison now for murdering her mother-in-law. However, Misuk got off the hook, <laughs> not to be cute, but she got off the hook years before um, because she wasn't looked at. Exactly. So um, the Innocence Project has opened that up, and I am. I did. I did a podcast which is devoted to that called Suspect Convictions, and I'm going to look into that case. It's yeah, just wait in a little bit. The Maura Murray thing is really interesting. I listened to one podcast on it, and yes. you know what? Like this is what happened. I was super into the first season of Serial. The second one, I listened to ten minutes of the second season, and I'm like, no, thank you. Um, and yeah, then sometimes. Do you ever listen to White Wine True Crime, which I think we're going to yeah, be at that's... some point? You love that. Yeah, yeah so Harry I was at my wedding. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Carrie and I, oh, so I have to mention you to her now because Carrie and I became good friends. I did, a, I did an article on them, and then um, Carrie and I were actually asked to be panelists on that podcast I just mentioned to you about oh, wow. um, on suspect convictions. We both weighed in. On the Barton McNeil case, which is that case where I mentioned um, it is probably his ex-girlfriend who actually committed the murder. So Carrie and I were both the, the guests, just the two of us, um, on the last episode. So what a small world. We're, we're connected to so many people. I know, I know. It's like, it's like Jewish geography, so as they say. Smaller, smaller. Um, yeah, it's Jewish geography, but non-Jews are involved in the mix. Exactly, exactly. But that's... Yeah, no, true crime, is, it's weird. Like, people are super into true crime podcasts. I sometimes will listen to Sword and Yeah, I like it. To me, it depends on, like, the case. Yeah, I was going to say, it depends yeah. on the case. And I think, like, how invested you get, like, if there's something that's relatable to you or, like, someone you know that, like, yeah. you know, there's something similar or something. I, like, I started getting into some of them just because I got into, like, those, you know, ridiculous lifetime documentaries that are, like, kind of real, like, not yeah, yeah, yeah. real, but they still make you think. Mm-hmm. So then, like, these actual, like, true crimes, people are actually investigating and, like, getting into the nitty-gritty, it's, like, really interesting. So, Tira, on that note, like, you know, when you are doing, like, the research and, like, you are digging and working on, you know, these different, you know, crimes, like, what would you say, like, gets you into doing them and, like, do you find them you know, harder or like not like, or easier, you know, but I'm sure it's different obviously than when you write for like housewives and all that, but like yeah. what, what, you know, like what helps you like inspire you when you're going through your writing and like, what is that process like for you? Okay. So I'll tell you, I mean, it's really interesting because with true crime, there are so many narratives that are spun by different people trying to deflect you know, I mean, obviously somebody who doesn't want to be accused of a crime is going to try to point your attention elsewhere. So I think that I am interested in like filtering through all of that, cutting through all the BS and trying to find the truth. Um, you know what? I recently kind of experienced my own, my own version of true crime where I had a, a cyber harasser and oh my God. I thought, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm still going through this. So I see with, and believe it or not, she's harassing me over a reality show. So oh. I see with this, with this cyber harasser, how she points the energies elsewhere and will sort of like take, try to, uh, she'll probably find this podcast and want to hunt me down, but no, she, um, she tries to, you know, throw the, the attention elsewhere, get you looking from places, turn you against your family, turn you, you know, turn your family against you. I see the efforts. I mean, look, I'm not falling for it, nor is my family, but I see the efforts that psychotic people make. And I think that I'm driven by, wanting to know what the truth is and cut through all these theories, determine which theories are complete bullshit, and then write about it. You know, and actually, this is kind of why I interviewed your friend, A.J. Benza, because 
Um, I know he was on your show, and I find him to be very interesting because he likes to explore a lot of scandals. I adore yeah. him. I, I absolutely yeah. adore him. I was, like, a fan of his when I was a very little kid because I was, like, like probably, like, five years old and falling asleep to Howard Stern because I literally did things. Because, like, I don't know, because that's just sort of, like, the way my life was. But that's kind of why I was drawn to him, because I feel like some of the stuff he talks about, you're like, come on, AJ, is that bullshit or not? Is that real or not? So I got him on the phone, and I was like, look, I don't agree with your politics. I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that. But let's get down to the nitty-gritty. What, you know, I'm, I mean, I had, like, a, a really good talk with him, and I, I don't know if he considers me a friend, but I now consider him a friend because, like, <laughs> we sort of, like, we definitely are so different and have different um, views on so many things. But, um, but I think, like, at the end of the day, he can, like, cut through to what's important. And sometimes I feel like it's clearing, like, the same thing with when I research the crime. I feel like I have to clear away the cobwebs and see, you know, what is actually, what's real and what's tangible and what points to the crime. And I think with AJ, he likes to tell a lot of stories about the scandals. And, but at the end of the day, he, he does clear away those cobwebs and get you to the story. Yeah. So I, I really, I like yeah, talking I to Amanda when, you know, we interviewed him and we spoke to him, like, obviously Amanda said she like loved him from the get go and knew him. And I knew of him, but obviously didn't know as much of him. He's not a dorky yeah. super fan. Like <laughs> I am. Dorky super fan. But I got into him and then like getting to speak to him and getting to know him, like it's so true. Like he really does cut through the bullshit and the nitty gritty and he really like gives it to you straight. And I can respect that like about him for so many reasons. And like even when we like had him off our podcast and we're done recording, we're just chatting with him, just the way he was chatting with us and like he's so he, funny. He's so funny, so he's real. so open, so real, so like authentic. Like so we could see how you would vibe with that because he was so like good with us like that. And we were just like, Oh my God, Amanda was so funny when we had him on. Like I literally, like we, you know, unfortunately his schedule was crazy. So we couldn't see him. I know we're, we're going to actually have him back yeah, and we're going to have him IRL. But, but like we were on, you know, recording and it was hysterical because I kind of wish it was IRL then because Amanda's faces and like, moments oh my were priceless because she was like peeking out like I can't even tell you mm-hmm. and I was dying I was like oh my god I wish I could record like all this on video and show that's it. funny because I think that you know he's a bit he's controversial and he's said things that has been deemed by other. I'm going to be careful but he's said things that have been been offensive to others and I will tell him I like you you got to cut that out like right. that's the kind of person I am you know I'm like don't you know make sure you don't sound misogynist but tell the story oh. you know so um I mean, I, and you know what, I got some, I actually, after I interviewed him, I got some flack from people. I said, they said, why didn't you give a woman a platform? Why didn't you give somebody, you know, who, who, who speaks a little more kindly to women, who's less brash? And I said, you know what, I can talk with people who I don't necessarily agree with on everything. And I actually, in my article, I even said, you know, I don't, um, agree with a lot of things that he said, but, but I really respect what he's done professionally and how he looks into things. You know what? I, I kind of like that he's, I feel like I need, I don't have to agree with someone a hundred percent. And this is just me to appreciate what we do. And that's, and I get that not everyone is like me. I I totally get that. But you know, like there are a lot of people I, I disagree with, but I also think he is just from, you know, he came up in a very different time yeah, from, from all of us. You know, he's like, he's like, how old is he? He's like 53. You know, like, right. and he was, he's like 10 years older than I am. So maybe, I mean, I'm like somewhere between, between you guys and him, you know, as the, uh, yeah. Gen Xer. It's like, but I think even then, like those, and like, that's my family too. Like, so it's very weird. Like I talk about being Jewish, but actually part of my family, if like you're listening to this podcast for the first time is Italian Long Island, mm-hmm. very right. much. And, and like Jewish Long Island, although I don't speak very kindly of those people, <laughs> which I have to stop doing because my, my nieces and nephews are getting older and I'm going to get myself in trouble one day. But um, right. you know, so I get that old school, Ita- you know, and my mom, my mom's family is from Italy and like, they're like old school Italian people. So I totally get that, you know, I get that too. And people don't. Yeah, I was going to say, I get that too. And like, that, it's interesting because that sort of, you know, on a very, it seems like a very unrelated topic, but 
on the topic of um, Real Housewives of New Jersey, that is kind of what mm-hmm. I got and understood about Joe Gorba. A lot of people complained this <laughs> season that he seemed misogynistic or very like sexist toward his like just that they were they took issue with some things he said, but I was like, no, he's old school. And he loves his daughter, he loves his wife, and he has a certain overprotectiveness. I don't agree with everything he's done, but there was a sweetness that we saw this season in terms of like how he cared for his nieces and how he really cares for Teresa. And there's a yeah. certain like super strong love and respect for the women that I think is sometimes seen as misogyny. And there may be some misogyny there as well, but but I think that there is an immense amount, enorm- you know, enormous amount of love and respect for the women in his family. And so I was really endeared to him this season. Um, and it kind of relates back to, you know, AJ Benza. He has a certain way of talking. All of these people have a certain way of talking. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm older than you guys. And I didn't, you know, the, the world is changing now with the Me Too movement and Time's Up. Everyone is more sensitive. But, um, but because I, maybe because I'm older, and I'm like comparing the past. I'm like, we've, made, we've come a long way and I can still understand some old school mentalities. It's, I mean, I think though that people, my problem is I think people are overly sensitive or they don't understand how other people could believe something different than they do. Yeah. I, and I, I do have a problem with that. I, I said to Amanda the other day when we were talking about this in just general, just as friends, I said, you know, I, I completely think, you know, things have to change. And I think the Time's Up movement is great. And I think it's great that people really have platforms now, you know, via social media and everything else. But I do think there comes a point where, you know, no matter what you're talking about, no matter what subject, people get so sensitive and they almost like go into attack mode on everybody else. And that's where I feel like we kind of go backwards on things yeah. because it's like, okay, it's great. We're making so much progress and moving forward and we're bringing all these, you know, topics up and things to light. But then if you say one thing that I don't agree with with you, then like attack mode happens. And then it's like, there's no real fluid conversation. So that's like, I guess my biggest issue with any of this, no matter like what movement, no matter what, you know, things come about yeah. in the year we're talking about, like, I don't like the attack mode, especially that. Yeah, I hate that. I feel like it's yeah. too easy to get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So when I posted my AJ article, actually, I posted it in one group and people were like, <laughs> oh, I quote saw. unquote, yelling at me. Yeah. yeah they were, people, people were upset. And I don't think it was, you're in the same group, but it was another group. Um, people were like yelling at me. And I was like, you know what? And I just like yanked it from like the two groups that I posted in it. Cause I was, I was like, you know what? People just, they're not reading my first paragraph where I say I don't agree with a lot of things he said. We're, you know, I'm this snowflake. He's a brash conservative. I don't, you know, condone certain things that he said. But they weren't reading that first paragraph, so it was so aggravating. And oh, but that happens. In life. Yeah, I feel like that happens a lot. I feel like I get mis- I'm misunderstood more these days than I want to be. But I'm also super sensitive, and I'm like very liberal. So. Um, you know, it's just if I'm getting in trouble, then it, then it's, I don't know. Something, something needs. Maybe I'm not communicating certain things properly, and no, no, that's no. embarrassing as a writer. But I, I don't think you know, it's you. I, don't think I, I think that it's people make a. And I actually, and like the the same thing has happened to me a bajillion times. And long story short, I realized that like after a while, that I had to change that like. I will not read comments first <laughs> or maybe right. I'll read comments first, but I'm like, you know what? I know that I can control other people, but I have to sit there and I have to make a decision based on the article or if something controversial comes out in the news. I make it my personal responsibility. And this sounds strange, but I swear this works. I'm like, I'm going to read really what is going on from multiple sources and then make a decision from there because I cannot, it's not, it's not good to just, make it to just formulate an opinion based on what some rando says on Facebook or in the comment section. It's, it's actually, yeah. it's insane to, well, to do that. It's funny because I actually don't read my, I mean, I never read the comment section on the Huffington Post. I remember years ago, I wrote about atheists and I had so many comments um, from people who were like, I wrote a, a funny, it was supposed to be a funny, like tongue in cheek comedy piece about, 
and even interviewed comedians about how atheists always read the religion section of the newspaper. So I was like, <laughs> why do atheists read the religion section? And so many angry people posted in. And I was like, wow, the word atheist sure brings a lot of angry people to the yard. And um, I wrote about being pro-choice years ago, and it was so... Um, I didn't even know what I was inviting, but I have, like, a, a pro-life woman who wants to lynch me. So, you know, it's, I mean, it's it's better not to read the comments than not to, you know, not to search and see what's out there. I mean, even with this, yeah, like, it's not cyber harasser. Yeah. You know, this well, with a cyber harasser, she puts out information. And people, even if someone is lying, like, I was thinking, I was actually thinking about Vanderpump Rules last night. Even if someone is lying, you believe some of their narratives. Jack's on Vanderpump Rules lies all the time, but he slips in nuggets of truth. So you end up listening to what he says and believing a lot of what he says, and you, you can't decipher what's true and what's a lie. <laughs> also known as a pathological liar. <laughs> yes, and I think that like a lot of what's out there, like their, their narrative spun in reaction to what people read. Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. I mean, and you can't, like you said, you can't go through and read through. I mean, I was even telling Amanda, like, when Stripped came out, the amount of moms oh my God. came at me being like, you know, you think you're empowering by stripping down on television. What are you going to tell your daughter? Like, what are you thinking in this time of era of women? And like, oh, my God, that's not what this was about at all. That's what you thought no, it was about. You didn't even watch the show. And, and yeah, I'd be curious if you had gotten that response. Oh, yeah. And mostly moms. You were naked for, really like, funny. three seconds, and yeah, things were blurred them. out. naked for them. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so you weren't even – I mean, I watched it. You weren't even – right, you weren't – you were close for much of it, so that's very surprising that you got that reaction. Well, but, I mean, regardless, I said to Amanda, people don't care. It's like – whether you're naked for 30 minutes or you're naked for 30 seconds, like you were still naked and you still did it. So they disapprove and they don't feel it's right. So they have to voice right. their opinion. And that's just the way it is. And so I was just surprised at how many like actual moms came at me and like Christian moms and like all these people. Who, like, that is so not Christian. Right, exactly. Like who just bashed me. And I was like, wow, like, okay, you really don't understand what this was about, but no worries. <laughs> Well, so never, ever write about being pro-choice and never write about abortion and never write about, you know, selective reduction or anything like that. I mean, I, you know, I wrote about my very risky pregnancy. Um, I had twins, and it started out as a triplet pregnancy. And I had to make a very difficult decision to reduce based on the fact that it was really, really a dangerous pregnancy. And uh, I hope no pro-lifers are listening to this, but you know what? Was, no, no, no. That happens a lot, though, yeah. with with high-risk pregnancy. It's yeah. actually like yeah. I think Allison. I don't know if you ever listened to Allison Rosen's podcast, but I think she yes. most had to make a similar decision. But then um, it was, you know, it things work out a certain way. Right. Exactly. So I mean, I wish I could say things, and I was kind of hoping things would just work itself out because. My doctor was like, if you try to carry all three, you're going to lose all three. It was such a, the whole thing was like the most heart-wrenching, so many, obviously, so many tears, even like guilt years later, to this day, awful, awful. I mean, it's the most horrible thing that you could go through, but I decided to write about it at the time because I had a whole, there was a whole religious component where I consulted a rabbi. And a rabbi next didn't get back to me, and then I spoke to another rabbi who was like, you need to listen to your doctor. So I wrote about that whole experience, and, you know, that's when angry people come come out and, you know, put and, and create websites about you saying you're an awful. Yeah, I had one, one woman create a, a little website. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> I, can I have that time that they waste? Like, like I'll, I'll trade you. Yeah, for real. Yeah, exactly. I know. And, I, you know, the thing is, like, my husband says to me, Shira, you decided you want to write about some of these things. You've got to realize that, you know, you've got to take the good with the bad. I'm not a celebrity. And yet, like, there are people that will, like, attack certain things. But, you know, it's also, there's also a lot of, there's, there's so much that's rewarding. And, you know, being able to even do a podcast is just rewarding. And I really appreciate it. Have you have you thought about doing your own at all? Because I feel like you could do a podcast. I know, I'm going to say that. That's so funny. Um, I hate talking, but um, <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I joke around with Kate Casey. I said, I'm not a talker. I'm a writer. I write, you know, and, and it's funny because like my mother will, my mother will hear me say something and she'll call me up and be like, Oh my God, Shira, it's that your grammar is this, not that. And I always say, I can write, but I can't talk. So, mm-hmm. um, I love being on podcasts, but I, I, I don't think I can carry a whole podcast. Maybe. <laughs> that's why that's why like there are like two of us, I feel like, because it's hard to have like to have one person it carry is. a whole thing. Absolutely. And I think like, well, you know what though, I would say Kate Casey, but her podcast is so specific. Exactly. And the format is yeah. so specific. That is the way she is. So like people like that can just yeah. like, carry it themselves. But I was like, I had wanted to do a podcast for the longest time and I said to Allie, I'm like, I wanna do this, but like I, there was just no way to do it my to do it myself. It's it's so much it's so much work, and so I think that's sort of how it worked out, you know, between us. But then when I look at like, um, what's it called? What is that one that everyone likes? That the murder pot, my favorite murder. Oh, my favorite it's, murder. Yeah, it's very informal. I was actually one of the first listeners to that podcast. It's about true crime, but it's really informal. Two comedian friends. I feel really bad for Allie Ward, who used to co-host a podcast with Georgia Hardstark, because <laughs> I feel like, like they had a pod, this thing called Slumber Party for a really long time, and then, yeah. like, she just did a podcast with, like, someone else, and it became, like, the biggest podcast, and I'm like, that must just, like, so, I know that sounds terrible, and she's on, like, a TV show now or something, some science show, and yeah. like, but I kind of, like, feel a little bit bad for her I don't know it's weird no I hear you you know what's funny though um so I was telling Kate about this because like I love Kate we were talking and I said my my my, I'm Jewish and I have a really good friend who's Muslim and we've been thinking of doing like a podcast where we discuss our cultures our similarities our differences the things we agree with the things we don't agree with and we were like going to call it I'm sorry my phone's ringing but we were going to call it peace in the middle east um (laughs) and we were like very into this whole idea um and it was, it would have been like a great idea, but she works full time and, um, we couldn't really figure out how we were going to do this. So we didn't end up, we, we haven't, we haven't started it. We may record on Sundays, but we're still thinking it over. No, that I would definitely listen. I would definitely, we would oh, definitely dude. have you guys on to promote. Oh, like yeah, I, I love, I love that. And I think that's so, you know, it's, it's so important because I think there's a lot about you know, the Muslim and Jewish culture that are both misunderstood. And yeah. I think that it's really funny because I always say to, you know, and, and this might be controversial, but I'm just going to say, I think that when, for a lot of people who did not grow up around people of various cultures in just like locally, like they didn't go to school with anyone Muslim or Christian or Jewish, it makes it very hard for someone to understand a culture or a religion they've never been exposed to. And all they do is hear about it secondhand from other people. And how do they really, how can you really formulate a proper opinion? And I don't, I don't think in my opinion, I'm not entirely sure that most people can. And I think it's, I think it's important for people to understand things from all sides. But it's like, if you would never try to food in your life and someone has always talked, or like sushi, you've never tried sushi, and someone tells you about sushi, you're not going to really get sushi unless you taste it. This is true. Also, there are so many, so many parallels between our cultures, so many similarities, um, like even just dating. Like we go through the same, Orthodox Jews and religious Muslims go through like same kind of dating process, right? And I'm not Orthodox anymore, but I grew up, an Orthodox, in a modern Orthodox household. I went to Jewish day schools and I never thought I could be friends with um, a Muslim girl before because I just went to school with all Jewish kids. And then, you know, once I got to college, I was like exposed to diversity. And then I like became less and less, less. I'm really not very religious anymore. And I, my, my kids went to public school and then in public school, I just really started meeting parents from all different walks of life. So I've, I've seen, you know, talking with them, we have so many parallels. That's Just amazing. Whole, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, and so- it's hard now because my kids are now in a Jewish school, and I feel like I don't want them to forget, like, they had friends from so many diverse um, types of, of, of backgrounds. 
That's wait. That's so funny that you say that because I was saying to you, we're probably going to start trying. I don't know. Maybe the end of this year, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. Allie, you know, is pregnant, and you know, we we talk about this. And I have other friends who've just had kids or pregnant. I'm like. I really, really, because, like, even though I went to a small all-girls school, there were um, a lot, there were, like, a decent amount of, even though it was small, there were a decent amount of international students and Muslim students, and there were Mm -hmm. kids on scholarships. Again, small school, but there were enough that, like, there was no one that was, like, the odd person out. Um, Right. And so I was just, like, I don't, I really, really feel very strongly living in L.A. that I want to send my kids to public school. I even said, I'm, like, I want to move to, I said, like, I would even consider living in a place like Silver Lake, which is sort of like the Williamsburg, although I guess it's not as gentrified as Williamsburg, of Williamsburg West, they used to call it. Right. Um, Of L.A. Because I want, I, I just don't want, like, my future children to think, like, everyone lives like we do because that would be, it would really, I would feel like I failed as a parent if they were not aware of other cultures, if they were not aware of other socioeconomic classes and it would really fucking bother me. No, I, I like one of my husband's cousins, like she was saying how she had a hard decision to make because they live in a beautiful part of South Carolina. And like, she could have sent her daughter to like one school that was like very up and up and like you know more proper and it's not and they chose to actually send her to one of the like you know mid-racial schools because she said she to me she's like I want her to have exposure to everything and even though maybe you know it might be a little bit rough with some of the people that are around or some of the parents some of the kids you know are around versus what the other school was she feels like she's making the right decision because she's submerging her early into all these different cultures and different walks of life so that her daughter understands that like everybody is different. Everyone has a different journey. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I loved about my kids being, my kids were actually in a school where it's like where white kids were really the minority. I mean, the, the last few years, they, that, they, it just so happens. They were in the minority being, especially being Jewish white kids. Um, so it's when we talk about diversity, they were actually like, the, it was like they kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. These really pale Jewish mm-hmm. kids, but um, but but it didn't matter. Like I love the fact that they were that, but no one saw skin color. You know, these kids didn't see that. Like I would ask, I once asked my, I just remember once asking my son, like trying to just get a sense of like someone's ethnicity, and he had no idea. Um, and like they just didn't see that, and now they must notice just being in a Jewish school this year, they must notice that now they're not with, you know, they're with, a, they're with kids that really look like them. And so it must be a little weird not having, I would say diversity, but it must be weird not having, you know, friends who, who, who don't look like, like them this year. Like, I don't know. I haven't really discussed it with them, but I love the fact that they had Muslim friends. Like it wasn't an issue. And I remember my cousin in Israel saying, really Jewish kids are friends with Muslim kids? Like you don't have that. Yeah. I mean, maybe you do have that in Israel, but where my cousin is, she doesn't have that. And she said, you know, I wish that could happen in Israel, but no. So, I mean, it's, it's so interesting that like now seeing them now in a Jewish school, you know, I think about that. Like I, I wish they were exposed more to kids of other religions. Yeah, that's such a good point. I, I I agree. And I think it's really important because like you said, like you shouldn't see that and look at them and see them as different. You should be actually into them and their personality and what they're about and then decide if you want to actually vibe with them or hang out with them or make them a friend because of their personality and what you're, you know, actually around, not just what you're looking at. And by the way, when I write about Muslims, also like I've written about, you know, Jewish Muslim relations before I wrote about, um, the mayor of my town is Muslim, and I live in a predominantly Jewish town. So I wrote about him. Oh, and whenever wow. I write, yeah, and so like I had the word Muslim, I'm sure, in the piece. Whenever I write the word Muslim, I get more people reading my article. Muslim and atheist, for some reason. Those are and words so. that are trending. <laughs> yes, put, put that word up and, you know, connect it to your podcast. I don't know. If for some reason, those are the articles that garner the most eyeballs. That's, that's so interesting. It's so funny. Cause I said, when we started this podcast that I wanted to get, um, Dina Tokia, she's like a Muslim beauty blogger who's British 
on, and we should actually do that. That should be like on our list of our people to get our to-do list that we never that do. We never do. <laughs> um, but if you wait, seriously though, if you're a Muslim beauty blogger and listening to this, can you email us? The email is in the show notes because I really want to have you on because yeah, there's this whole idea. culture of them and I find them really, um, really interesting. There's one thing I want to ask you too, which is totally nothing to do with this, but I was saying to Allie before we started that this was bothering me oh, so much. Okay. Uh-oh. Okay, what is it? Not your writing. I'm scared. Okay. <laughs> I read your interview with Adrian Curry, and I listened to the one with Kate Casey. Mm-hmm. And I used to be, like, a very big fan of hers back in the day. Like, I used to be super obsessed with her. Um, especially because, like, I dated someone older, and she had, like, that show. And, like, when my, like he wasn't that much older than me. Like, not like her. Not, like old enough to be my dad, but older. Um, right. And so I just always kind of felt like I'm kind of related to that. But I I had a big, you know, she seems nice, but I also felt like how fucking ungrateful was she for her life? Like I found her to be so ungrateful for what she has, and it really turned me off. Oh, really? That's funny because I think, well, interviewing her and getting to talk with her, I actually didn't get that sense at all. I think she went in expecting things to be great, and she saw the downfall and like the, the pitfalls of, of fame and the pitfalls of being recognized. And, um, I mean, you know what? I mean, from what I understand, and I feel bad saying this because I don't know 100%, but from what I gathered... Allegedly. Tyra Banks did not... Del- I mean, and the whole show did not deliver on what she was promised. She was actually owed... She left that show, owed a lot of money, I think like $15,000, and, 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 and contractual things that did not come to pass. And from what I understand, Wilhelmina um, ended up, like, they had a falling out with America's Next Top Model, allegedly, and did not deliver on, on what they were supposed to do. So she went through this whole process, and she thought, oh, wow, you know, like, I went through this, and this is going to, you know, open doors for me. And it did diddly squat. So I think she had a right to feel resentful. I agree. By the way, I by the way, the number, because I, I read it on her Facebook page or something, it's fifteen thousand. She's right. still Fairbanks owes her, which is a lot of money, but not fifty, but fifteen versus fifty. I mean yeah, 15, fifteen. No, no she, she, she told like, me fifteen also. I mean she told me fifteen, so I didn't want it to sound inaccurate. No, she um that's what she told me. Um, and you know, even though it's a small amount of money, it's, I don't think that money is the issue. I think it's, it's a concept. It's a concept. And also, can I just say, as a stylist gets screwed on invoices all the time, small claims court is a bitch. Everyone thinks like, oh, just go to small claims court. No, no, no. You have no idea how exhausting, how many fees, like it is like, you'd rather them please, 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 for the love of God, settle out of court and like get a smaller amount because I've been to small claims court quite a few times and it is a shit show, and there is no guarantee. No, so, no, I know, I know. No, and then even if you have a judgment against someone, yeah, it's not as so, yeah, yeah, no, no, I get it, I get it. But just, like, hypothetical, like, <laughs> small claims court. But my problem with her was, like, okay, so she did have these pitfalls, and this did happen to her. But here's the thing. She did a VH1 show shortly afterwards. The girl had a platform, you know? Right. And it was definitely before people were making money off their platforms the way they, the way they are now. So I'll give you that. But it was like, oh, I was too cool for Hollywood. I lived in Hancock Park. Bitch, I live in Hancock Park. (laughs) Hancock Park is super, it's a neighborhood that is just south of Hollywood. And it's a neighborhood that's so unshowy, it's showy, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, I was actually looking up Hancock Park to try to get a sense. I just, like, I think I read it was like a Jewish community or something. I forgot what I, what I. Okay. So the, it's sort of Jewish. So there is a Jewish community that is like, there are a lot of Jews there, but like the Orthodox Jews are mostly Hancock Park adjacent. Adjacent. They're not okay. really in like they're not really not in Hancock Park mm-hmm. proper. Um, because there's no I was gonna say, I don't think there's a temple you can walk to in Hancock Park proper. Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't think I think there, you know what, I'm wrong. There is one, and I don't know if that technically is, but but that's it's not it's like mansions it was like the original beverly hills 
it's very like there's this area in Hancock Park called Largemont Village, and it's like it looks like a small town Main Street. Like my husband says, it's like a less nice East Hampton, but it's it's much smaller than than the town of East Hampton. Um, but there's yeah, like. Well, I think- it's there are a lot of Hollywood. I mean, like I'll t- I'll tell you who my neighbor. I'll tell you who my neighbor is when we're not um, recording. <laughs> we're not and recording. Then it'll give you a very big. It'll give you a very big indication as to how not Hollywood Hancock Park is. But um, that's so funny. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that. But so it's interesting with Adrian. I mean, I know she moved there, and, and she's saying like, okay, I left Hollywood, and now she's out in. Um, Arizona and she's moving to Montana. I mean, I think her, you know, the gist of the interview was like, I thought fame was one thing, but I, I just, I discovered how awful it is, you know, to be famous and I want to get as far away from it as I can. And I mean, I only, she never sought me out for the interview. I found her based on her interview with Kate. It's, no, I guess that's true though. Britney Spears just retweeted my tweet. Oh my god! Wait, that's crazy. Sorry, I'm sorry. Hold, hold the, hold the, hold the conversation. Wait, what did you tweet that Britney Spears just retweeted your tweet? Q and A the other day on my on my Twitter. That's amazing. Answer and I, someone asked me like what what I thought about Britney Spears and this and that, and I said I was like she's hashtag gold. I love everything she does, but should being a mom. And she retweeted you. That's amazing. I have to. Britney Spears retweeted you. Oh my god. Well, I'd be like, hey, Brittany, do you want to come on our podcast? <laughs> we love you. I no, love I, I love her. I know. I <laughs> sorry, sure. I just saw that. Sorry. Like, like, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> so funny. What is happening? I'm like twitching out Look over what a Gen Xer I am. I cannot even tell you what. You know, I'm joking around. I love, I mean, that's hilarious, but I would be freaking out over Christina Aguilera. Sorry. <laughs> Not Brittany. <laughs> Hello. But that's very funny. Um, oh my, I was going to say, I'll tell you Christina Aguilera's stories I can't talk about on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I, have sto- I have so many stories for you. But, um, that is so about- funny. Well, I just but, love her voice, though. That's why I'm, no, she, I'm team, team Christina. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Voice. No, she, she, does, she does have an amazing voice. Um, but I also thought it was, it's so funny. Like I was watching one of Adrian's videos of her mm-hmm. doing her makeup with Avon and she did a really good job. Like I almost bought the palette, but like, I actually have like similar colors, but it was just sort of like, like, I, I don't know what it is about her. She's like, and I'm like a crass person and maybe not on this podcast, but like IRL, like I will say things. And my husband is like, did you really just say that? Like, or go try to the podcast. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, like, stop it. Like, stop it. <laughs> but I'm like, she like outcrasses me so much. Yeah. That, like, I'm just like, you're like fucking gross. I don't know. And it's terrible because I really want to like her, but she just seemed like, it's like, you have a platform. You would fucking be working. Like, you know what? It's weird. This is how I feel. So, you know what? It's really interesting that we're discussing this because this relates so much to my writing because for some reason, I don't know what's wrong with me. And I realize I have a problem, but I love the underdogs who are crass, obnoxious, who say things that, that are, you know, that get them into trouble, who are uninhibited. I love that. Um, that's uh, that's what I love about Brandy Glanville, who's like would be like a dream. I can't figure out what to interview her about, but she would be like a dream interview for me because I love that. I love that she's so uninhibited. Um, and I, I like you know, her too, actually. Yeah, and and there are a few other people that I just I love. I always root for those like underdogs. Um, like I I want her back on Beverly Hills. I wish you. Know, Brandy was there. I loved Adrian's season. That's the only season I watched of America's Next Top Model because she was so raw, candid, so not, you know, the type of, like she, she was not the type of personality you would assume would be competing on a model show. You oh, know, she, absolutely. And I think I just love those, like, very, actually, I can see Brandy Glanville and Adrian being friends. Like, I just love those kind of, like, you know, unpolished personalities. Oh no, I I get it. It's just that it's like th- this is what it is with Adrienne Curry. If she hadn't been on that show, she would either be like dead, a drug addict, or working at a factory. Like, like that's what it, she said. 
and and she's yeah, I don't know. She she said this. Without that show, like her life would be like she's in love, she's engaged, she's moving to Montana. Like I would be so even though it didn't work out exactly the way she wanted it to be, like her life is I mean, it mm-hmm. seems like she's happy with where her life is or where it's going. I don't want to speak for her, but like, you know, if she didn't want to move to Montana or Arizona, I don't think she would have. So for her to be, it just, I get that. And like, it actually bothers me when other celebrities are like that too, when they're like, oh, I just like, I hate this. It's like, oh, shut the fuck up. Like, you know what? There are a million people who would like to be, who would like to be in your place. And when you sound resentful, it's just, it's gross. That's a terrible way to describe it. No, but you're right. The truth of the matter is um, when I interviewed her, I was more interested. It actually started off, I was going to interview a whole bunch of people about what it's like to be, to have your life on camera and to be like in the public eye and then totally have the opposite of that. So, um, mm-hmm. that's what I was going to interview her about. And I was like, you know, I was, I was going to interview a whole slew of other people, but I couldn't find the other people. And then I got Adrian and I was like, you know what, let me just speak with, I mean, actually I didn't try too hard in my, in my defense. I really didn't try too hard with that or, you know, or not in my defense, but, um, but I just, I decided to like to feature her by herself and then what's funny is that one of the people I wanted to interview um, is Gretchen Bonaducci, and she's a big fan of Adrian Curry. She used to be on, you know, her that show with her husband, Breaking Bonaducci. Um, I'm not gonna I, lie, I really enjoyed that show. <laughs> yeah, also, like, so, my best friend was in rehab when that show was on, so like I very much related to it. <laughs> yeah, so it's hilarious. So like, so. Gretchen Maduji is writing all over every post I have of, of Adrian Curry's with Adrian Curry. She's writing, Oh my God, I love her. No, 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 fanning out over Adrian Curry. And I was like, you know what? Gretchen, I want to do an interview with you. Um, so I'm speaking with, I have to just make sure that we're on, but I'm supposed to be speaking with Gretchen tomorrow. So That's I, if you have any, cool. if you actually separately offline, you guys could email me if you have any questions for Gretchen Bonaduce, because I want to like do the same type of thing. Like what happened, talk to me about the show and then what happened afterwards. Um, and I don't know, you know, I'm wondering how many people are going to remember that show. And that's my fear with, with that one. No, it I wasn't as big. Remember, yeah. It was a few seasons. I think it was two seasons or three seasons. I could be wrong. So I feel, I don't know. I feel like that show was so crazy people yeah people remember it but I actually think it's really like her husband had a radio show in LA when I first moved here um and he's really funny like he like uh, could have done he's another one who could have like really not done much and like has like a working radio career I mean that's it's weird like my my standards I guess for people are low but I'm like look if you can like work in the industry, whether it's writing or on camera or, you know, anything that's sort of entertainment related and you don't have to have a shitty day job, you're already a winner. Exactly. And I mean, they're actually divorced now, but I mean, people also yeah. like how you got away from that. Re- well, getting out of that relationship and what you're, I think that they're on amicable terms. So like how I'm curious, like the progression and I think she's in, I think she, look, I can't say for sure until I speak with her tomorrow, but I believe she has like a, like a partner who she's had for a long time. So, um, you know, she's been divorced now for a few years, I believe from him. So, um, I, I just want to hear about life on camera, that experience, and then what it was like after. Um, and it's sort of in the same vein as, as a, the Adrian interview, except that, you know, Adrian had a lot of disappointment. I'm curious about Gretchen's, you know, Gretchen wasn't really in the public eye as much, in a sense. It was more focused on her husband. So I'm curious, you know, how her life has improved, um, how it's changed, and what the negatives were after that show. Yeah, those are interesting yeah. questions. I'd be definitely interested to hear. I think people will remember it. Well, write to me afterwards and let me know if you have any questions for her, and I'll, and I'll, I'll mention you guys. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we, we have to go in, in a few minutes. But I wanted to say before we go, like, yeah. before you plug yourself and all that good stuff, is there anything else that you want to talk about or, you know, um, come full circle on or something that you've written on or like any other questions? I mean, I think our questions were answered and just like, you know, we know you're 
you know, an absolutely amazing writer. We really wanted to hear about, you know, your whole background in crime. And then, of course, we know you write for Housewives, and we're going to put all your Huffington Post yeah, we're gonna have- in the show notes so people can look up. Like, I was also going to say, if you want to make our lives, really my life easier, could you just send an email with all of your, with all of your links? Yeah, or just message it to me. Or, or message it to Allie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll send you the link to, yeah, and I'll send you the link to my archive, which it has all my articles. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, the last thing I want to say is that it's interesting because I love, I like writing about reality TV, but more from like, although I've written very light pieces, like show recaps, I really, um, actually am not doing that again because it, it's so time consuming, um, the recaps, but I love writing about things from more of like an anthropological perspective, analyzing it. You're talking about this crazy phenomenon we have. Um, and then I'm trying to focus now more on um, on crime, and I'm doing a series on cults, so that's coming up. Um, I'm very fast. I'm fascinated by cults. There's a there's a cult called Nexium that uh, um, it's it, it, it's disguised as women's empowerment, but it's really about female uh, sexual domination, and uh, it's really crazy stuff. So if you want to check that out. In my archive, um, I wrote about Nexium a bit, and I'm going oh, to write, write more about that. Yeah, I'm writing about someone who um, was in the Kobu cult. Um, I don't know if you know Erin Martin from Reality T. So her family was in the Kobu cult, and they escaped that. So um, she's fascinating, and she was amazing. You guys, I, I'm going to introduce you to her. She's a fantastic um, woman, and she has a podcast called um, Pink Shade. And oh, I was listening. She, she was interesting. Yeah, she's very interesting because she, you know, obviously she recaps reality shows, but she also talks about cults. So we spoke about her, um, her family leaving the Kobu cult, and so that I have that article coming up. Oh, that's exciting! That so, is. So I mean, you've been amazing, and you know, thank you so much for coming on. We really were excited to talk to you and we'll definitely have to have you back. I was also going to say, I'm going to tell you the, the I'm going to spill the tea to you. So when we sign off, don't, don't hang up. I'll just tell you okay. I'm too lazy to send this in an email, uh-huh. but it's really good, but I, I can't it. share it on the pod. Um, and, okay. and thanks again. Thank you so much as well. When, yes. When we'll have that out. link as yeah, well. We'll in as addition well, to like your, your archive. Um, and then Anytime, I'd be happy to discuss a lot of things with you. You know, I, I can be your uh, Gen X consultant if you ever need. No, that's amazing, and we will definitely, we will definitely have you back. Yeah, pro- I was gonna sure. say when Ali is like on bed, yeah, rest, on bed and we're doing room. like all call-ins, everything just in bed. Everything is a mess. <laughs> we're well, um, so yeah. Of course, we're gonna put you in the show notes, but go ahead and plug yourself and let people know where they can find you and all that fabulousness, and then you know we'll have it there as well. Okay, so should I, I, I list my uh, yeah, social media yeah. links? And, okay, sure. So on on Twitter, I'm um, Shira's Got the St- Scoop, or you just tag um, at Shira Weiss. I'm also Shira's Got the Scoop on Instagram. And um, on Facebook, I'm Shira T. Weiss. And then my, my the link to my archive, which is hard to say on, on a podcast, will be in, in the uh, description for this episode. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you both. Thank so you. And as we always say, be fabulous. fabulous. Bye. Got them both out to Jane Fonda. One, two, three, four. Get your booty on the dance floor. Work it out. Shake it, little mama. Let me see you do the Jane Fonda. Five, six, seven now. If you don't know, let me show you how.